0: Coming up on the next episode of Way Down in the Hole, we discuss Clay Davis' electric performance on The Witness Stand and Van shares his wealth of knowledge about the male stripper world. Tune in to Way Down in the Hole.
1: This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom and the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom and the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.
2: You make sure you tell the boss man that you know who it is. Drop some Vino last night. You feel me?
3: You tell that man I'ma drop all his muscle so he get the heart to come down to the street and dance. You going more that sweet pea? That's
1: Omar. Damn.
0: Vino, damn, yo. Shit, man. You made me from Monk's apartment the other night.
1: I might be laid on my own so can't be as a
0: motherfucker alright we're back at it again Uh we are at episode seven man this uh, this is really going fast we're only three episodes away to this whole thing being over man
3: yeah it's crazy <laughs> three episodes away from our our journey of way down in the hole being over uh, three, but like three, but then one more, four, because we'd have to do a wrap right. up, right? So four we do have episodes. to do a wrap up. uh but yeah, man, this episode is you know, season five is building steam i i'm
0: I'm all about season five now. I got to be honest with you I, I'm disappointed in this. I mean, no, you know what, I'll say this. This is as far as I'm willing to come in our debate over season five. It's not as bad as I remembered but it's still not good. <laughs> it's, it's
3: actually good.
0: It, it's good moments. It's good episodes. It's good parts. But it's just way too many plot holes in this that, like, bother me. And they only bother me, really, is David F- Simon's fault because his ability to not kind of fall into the same trite, cliche TV we're used to is, is what makes him a genius. And I just feel like too many times in season five, he's doing something that I would expect kind of your garden variety television producer and writer to do. And it leaves him open to questions and plot holes. I I didn't, I mean, we went through multiple seasons where we didn't have a, we love this show, but, or like very few. I have so many between this episode and the next episode. It's not even funny. Mm.
3: So. look To me, season five is like 808s and heartbreaks. It's like 808s and heartbreaks. I'll tell you why. When I first heard 808s and heartbreaks that was made by and by the way, I'm going to say something else. Before I get into this analogy, people are going to say, hey, Vance talking about how much he loves Kanye West. The fact of the matter is, I love <laughs> Kanye West. I love Kanye West. But we have to remember something Kanye West is not one person, Kanye West is two people. There's a clear dividing line with Kanye West. When I say Kanye West, I mean Kanye West uh the original model i'm not talking about ps5 kanye west i'm talking about the regular kanye west ps1 kanye west kanye west ps2 all the way up to like the ps3 kanye west it was dope but that ps4 and that ps5 nah so when i talk when i say kanye just take it in well, i'm not talking about now you know right. what i'm talking about then so uh it's very important to say, because the music is still fucking amazing. That's
0: a damn shame you now have to divide Kanye by, like, moments and eras and and, and albums. You, that you just to. can't say, I appreciate Kanye West.
3: But he's not the first one. He, Phil, Phil Spector, very important musician. But you can't really talk about him the same way. You got to say, man, Phil Spector from the 60s, man. That's how you got to do it. You can't just come back at it. So that's the same thing with Kanye. But the reason why season five reminds me of 808s and Heartbreaks is because when I first heard Love Lockdown, I had a visceral reaction of pain and anguish. I was like, yo, what the fuck is this? This is like coming from such brilliance, right? Even though I liked re- late registration better than graduation, graduation is still amazing, right? Still amazing. Coming from such brilliance, when there's even one little tick, even one little flinch in it, right? One little flinch in it, you go, what the hell? And because you're so thrown off, by your initial reaction to it, you don't open yourself up for what the work actually really is until you're going back and surveying the entire landscape of it. That's how I look at season five. Season five was so off kilter for me when I was watching it at first that in a lot of my rewatch, I didn't really fully rewatch season five uh, before. I will watch specific episodes of it. I wouldn't really rewatch the whole season. In rewatching the whole season, I have a whole new appreciation for it. I see all this quirkiness and crazy shit. I like this shit a little bit more. Like, there's, I I actually dig some of the stuff that they're doing, and I think that the balance in season five is just much better than I remember on this particular rewatch. It really is.
0: I'm trying to also judge it as it being a final season because I think that's important because final seasons are incredibly difficult um, to to when you're ending a series just because you have a lot of things you need to wrap up. There's a lot of storylines that probably wind up going into hyperdrive that maybe they would have spent a little bit more time with. There's a lot going on. And, you know, some of the meticulous care that I think David Simon was able to show in previous seasons, he's not able to show as much. But it's hard because I have the other expectations and the other platform and positioning that I gave the other seasons in mind. So really his competition is is himself. And because of that, it's sort of like i know you can do better than this mm. listen to me telling david simon he could do better that's mighty fucked up of me but um it's not as bad it, it, it you know i still think it's my least favorite season but you know you saying something is like your least favorite season is just like it, it's such a it's such a high bar for david simon right. that his least his quote unquote worst season of the wire would still wipe out most television Right, in terms true. of being like, great, it still would. So very, very true. And that, that being said, though, but I appreciate you saying that and that you developed a new appreciation for uh, season five. And me, I need to be brought along a little further. So we'll see. All right, now here's a recap for episode seven here, which is called Took. So McNulty es- is still escalating this fake serial killer thing. He has now made a fake call to Scott Templeton, AKA White Jason Blair. And because of the fear that a killer has now advanced his methods into just snatching live homeless people off the street. Resources come pouring into McNulty uh, and his investigation, and he becomes the official savior of the Baltimore Police Department. Uh, Lester is working desperately to crack Marlowe's clothes. And he, of course, asks McNulty for additional resources. So they are on Marlo hard. Uh, but Mar- McNulty is definitely starting to feel the pressure of being An ad hoc or a bit of a a fake commander, if you will. He's basically become Landsman, but, Mm -hmm. of course, with much better sensibilities than Landsman does, uh, than Landsman has. Uh, Meanwhile, Bunk is inching closer. Better BMI, too. Yes, yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Uh, Meanwhile, Bunk is inching closer to figuring out who killed Bugs' dad. He brings Michael in for questioning, which I'm sure we'll talk about in Best Scenes. Uh, Gus receives confirmation that Scott has been lying and embellishing his stories. When he runs the hypothetical scenario past Lieutenant Mello, who is the real Jay Lansman, by the way, um, at the cop bar. Omar continues his rampage on Marlo's trap houses and this time takes out Savino. Remember him? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, used to be a Barksdale. Uh, he was in on the setup of Orlando and Kima when both of them got shot. And, of course, Orlando got killed. Omar also robs Michael's corner and he is continuing to yell and bellow from the street. Marlo ain't man enough to come to these streets and see him for real. So... That's kind of where we are now. Normally, as you guys know, we do a character deep dive, but absent of that, we decided to take a slight detour from doing that because there is one performance that is clearly the best in this episode, and that is one Clay Davis, who uh, we have done him before as a character deep dive, but we want to focus in, in particular, I think it's two scenes, Van, that this is just peak Isaiah Whitlock Jr., peak Clay Davis, It's when he's in Billy Murphy's office, his attorney, and when he's performing before the court.
2: Takes me half an hour to go a hundred yards. And excuse me if I didn't ask that old Arthur-itis woman for a receipt, or that young mother needed to simulac to sign a damn piece of paper so I don't have to be up here in this box right now explaining to folks who never been in our neck of the woods how things truly are. And if a jury of my peers you all deem it right and true for me to walk out of here and upright and justified, man. Oh, I ain't gonna lie to you. I'm gonna do the same damn thing tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that until they got me laid out at March's funeral home and truck me off to Mount Auburn. Silence. Silence.
0: And- that is just... Ultimate Clay Davis. So what impressed you most about Clay's performance uh in this episode where he has officially embarrassed the state attorney Bond or State Attorney Bondo or however mm-hmm. he refers to I it? I think
3: I think he called him Obando or
0: something like Obando. that. Obondo, that's what it was. Obando. Yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. Like
0: shout out to uh
3: to Barack who's in a little trouble on Twitter. I know Twitter that was day. a nice
0: little dig. Nice yeah. little nickname.
3: No, look, so this the scene between Clay and, and Clay and his lawyer, Billy Murphy is great. Number one, because if I saw that guy walking down the street, the Billy Murphy dude in a suit, I'd be like, that's a lawyer and that's a high-priced lawyer. Funny you should
0: say that though, man. He is a real lawyer. He's a real Baltimore attorney, former Baltimore city, uh, former Baltimore judge. So he is real. So that is really him. Mm -hmm. Makes a lot of sense. I
3: like the fact that, that Clay goes in there, that there's a duality to these two scenes. One is showing the limits of Clay Davis's power. And the other is showing the absolutely limitless nature of his power. The limits of his power are that if you are talking to him and you are, as Bane says, initiated, (laughs) then which Billy is, then the bullshit doesn't work. Think about where Clay's coming from. Clay is on the ropes. He is short of money. He is short of public persona, uh, currency, right? Because he's, he's got a scandal on him, So he's coming to somebody, essentially asking them in the way that Clay Day, the old Clay Davis would ask them, except he's not the old Clay Davis. He's not the new Clay Davis. Clay Davis with no friends. And then with Clay Davis with no friends isn't really a Clay Davis at all because Clay Davis relies on his friends. That's the whole thing. The fact that he knows people is what keeps him in business because he takes what you have And tells you he's gonna get it to somebody else. But in the meanwhile, you gotta give him a little something. Okay, so it doesn't work on Billy Murphy. Give him a little taste. A little taste. Billy Murphy stands firm. That silver tongue bullshit not gonna work on me. You gotta come (laughs) up with my money.
0: Yeah. My favorite, by the way, my favorite line that he says to him when he's like,
2: Fuck you? No, son, I'm gonna make you. Motherfuckers gonna be wiping their ass with Johnny Cochran's memory and carrying your business card in every damn pocket before we done. (laughs) No.
3: I already got more rep than any lawyer would ever need. Why don't you save that silver tongue
1: bullshit for the jury?
3: Right. (laughs) Right. And it just doesn't work. Billy been around the block. He's seen Clay Davis before. Shit, he might have been Clay Davis at one time. You never know. But we're in the courtroom. That is what I love about The Wire. I'll tell you why. So Clay Davis is in the courtroom. Bond and and Ronnie and everyone, they think they have him. Lester's giving them a case that they don't see how they could possibly lose that case, right? They think they have him. This is what The Wire ends up doing. The Wire ends up being a show that's really about what you can do when everything is taken from you, right? When it's just you in the street. Okay When it's just you in the, the department, the only you can't rely on the system in the wire. You can only rely on yourself and what it is that you know and what you've been made into. We've seen this before. It gets you to a certain point. You make a mistake, you're out. That's happened to Stringer, that's happened to Avon. Okay, that's happened to other characters in the show. You make a mistake, you're gone. Proposition Joe. We lost him a couple of episodes ago, right? He had been good enough, smart enough to do everything he's been doing in the hood for a long time. He made one mistake with one guy. He's out of here. This scene in the courtroom, more than any other scene, exhibits the fact that when everything was taken away from Clay Davis, he had what was the one thing that made him who he was, which is his charisma he had to go deep in his bag. He had to go deep in his bag on the biggest fucking stage of his life and give a command performance. I watched that scene like four times. Clay is doing the entire song and dance and watching the life drain from Bond and Ronnie's face was just amazing because they realized this is why in actual life, guys like that don't go to jail. Because when you put them in a corner, they're able to stand there and not talk to the judge, not talk to even the jury. They're they're able to talk to the soul of the people. Those people don't want to believe that Clay Davis is stealing from him. They want to believe that everybody else is stealing from them. And Clay Davis is the only guy who is helping them. And that is because that's what they've believed the entire time. He uses that, he pokes fun at some of the people who they don't know. Remember, they know him, they don't know Bond, they don't know Ronnie. So look, these people are outsiders and he puts, puts it all into a bag of tricks and then comes out on the other side. It, it is it's fantastic writing, it's fantastically acted and it's also one of the more true to life scenes that we've ever seen in the wire. Because remember, hey man, these people over here telling you I'm, I'm, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. They don't know y'all. They have no clue what's going on with y'all. Y'all struggle every day and you never see these people. Who you been seeing every time it's a community center that open? Who you been seeing every time it's it's time to uh, fix a road or something like that Or, or build a drug rehabilitation clinic? Who you see? You see me. You don't see them. And playing insiders against outsiders is the best way to get what you want in politics.
0: So it's so much to unpack in there because I I think I completely agree with you. If we wanted to take one scene from The Wire and show what is broken about our system of justice, what is broken about our political system, this would perfectly encapsulate all of that. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's such a timeless scene because it's so very much so describes the moment that we're in. You know, before you and I started... Uh, this recording, we were talking about uh Barack Obama. You know, some comments that he made that have really irked a lot of people. That he talked about how the term defund the police was a bad slogan, and you know, it, it's some infighting that's happening in, in the Democratic Party. But there are two types of people that you can see in politics and why they succeed and why they fail, and why they're. No match for Clay Davis's of the world. Because in some ways you could see Clay Davis just like Donald Trump, right? In some mm-hmm. in some respects, right? Is that Clay Davis, his gift is making people who often are marginalized, who never have a voice, who are forgotten about. So as he's going through and talking about the woman who has to bail her son out of jail coming to him for money. And I'm sure he's making all this shit up as he goes along, right? Like, he's never probably given a dime to any of the people that he's mentioned. Or legend, he might, right?
3: given an, he might get, have given enough to make those people think that he does it all the time. You only got to do it once or twice.
0: That's right. Yeah. Right. And, uh, <laughs> yes, you're right. All you have to do is let the legend grow. Like, you give right. it once, that one person goes around and tell everybody, yo, Clay Davis is really down for us. He cares right. about us. That's all it takes, right? That's mm-hmm. the only PR campaign that he needs. So. He is able to capitalize on the insecurities of people who have been betrayed by the system. On the other side of it, you have Obando (laughs) and (laughs) Ronnie. The reason they thought they had an airtight case is because they actually believe this system works, which is stupid on their part, because Mm -hmm. it's not stupid for them to believe it, because otherwise, why would they be in politics, right? It's stupid of them to miscalculate that the people who will be the jury don't believe in the system at all. Right. That to me was such a gross but believable miscalculation, you know, and of course, I mean, even though it was far more serious and obviously wasn't fictional, this is why Made in America, um, the OJ Simpson doc on ESPN was so brilliant because they talked to the jurors. And when you talk to the jurors who have been living in Los Angeles, who have been seeing police brutality, who have been seeing the police get away with all these things, it's not hard for them to believe that somebody planted evidence on OJ Simpson. And that's the reason why he's in court. It's not Mm -hmm. hard for them to believe that a a black man has been done in by the system similar to this jury. Of course, you have somebody who actually seems to at least give the illusion that he cares about the downtrodden and the less fortunate and the vulnerable. Yes, they would be a target by the people like uh, State Attorney Bond, who, uh, you know, they all but essentially framed him as a coastal elite. Right, mm-hmm. and even though
3: coastal elite,
0: yeah, I mean, pretty much Obando. That that wasn't a compliment; that was a dig. Because mm-hmm. when you think about the things that people have said about Obama or the criticisms mm-hmm. he was taken during that time by other black people, that's why he knew he could get away with it. Yeah. Like if I just paint this dude as being, he thinks he's better than you. He doesn't know about you. I know about you. Like it was the easiest sell in the world. And one of the more underrated things that Billy Murphy does is when Lester is on the stand, what does Billy Murphy do? not cross-examine him. Why? Because he doesn't want to actually bring up the evidence. He like, hell, how can he dispute the evidence? There's nothing Mm -hmm. to really dispute. So instead, he allows Clay Davis to just go ham on the witness stand and tug at their emotions and get them to overlook actual facts, which is how politics actually work these days. So it's perfect. Especially
3: the legal game. Yeah, they looked like Marshall Clark and Chris Darden there while having Johnny Cochran that's a good use, comparison. <laughs> like having Johnny Cochran, uh, God rest his soul, maneuver in and around them, and really appeal to people more than present evidence. Right. That the it there's nothing more compromising than human emotion. Right. Like there's this movie called The Guide for the Married Man, and I I, I might have brought this movie up before. It's an old movie but it's got a lot of comedy grades from the 60s in it, right? A Guy for the Married Man. And it's basically talking about, you know, these guys that are messing around on their wives and all of this stuff like that. It's a great old movie. And there's one scene where a woman catches a man in bed with another woman, her husband. And it's a really funny scene because she comes in and him and the woman get up and she's like, what are you doing? He's like, didn't happen. She's like, what? What's going on with you? He's like, no. He's like, I think it's Walter Matthau in the scene. She's like, no, no, what? No, and he just keeps, he just keeps, even in the face of it, he keeps denying it and denying it. It didn't happen. It never happened. He is denying it. No, 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 no. Now it's a funny scene, making fun of the deny, 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 deny thing. But the reason why that deny, 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 deny thing works is because. Most times on both sides of that, you only have to be persuasive and not actually like smart or you don't have to have the truth on your side because your spouse doesn't want to believe that you're cheating on them. Either way, they don't want to think that that's their life, right? They don't want to believe that. And the people don't want to believe that the people that they've anointed to save them are full of shit. And I'm sorry guys, but oftentimes they are. And if they're not full of shit, what they are is in the middle of a system that just has shown itself not to really work for you. So the the funny thing about the people that think that Clay Davis uh, is saying that the system doesn't work for them. The funny thing about it is they don't realize that Clay Davis is the system more than anybody else. He's everything that's wrong with the system. He's the guy that, That's not looking to actually get anything done. And if he does get it done, it's strictly on accident. He's the guy that's looking to get everything out of public service for himself that he can. So, and he's up there really wielding the power that the people gave to him against them for himself so that he can stay on the street. And I just thought that the scene, it just, it was, it was really amazing. And it was such, it's so antithetical to how weak he looked at his grand jury uh, hearing, and how weak he looked when he was leaving it. Like Clay looked really done, but one thing the wire has has has, has you know proved to us all: if you kill somebody, make sure they're dead. Aim for the head, not the vest. They might be wearing a vest. Chris told Mike and them that: get them in the head. I think. They thought two well-placed shots to the chest would get, would get Clay Davis, but they were wrong.
0: But if we unravel how they even got in this position, and this is where the wire is really good at showing this, is that the systems in place bring out the worst instincts, not the best. And they it's always true. hammer that home.
1: Mm-hmm. The
0: other thing they do is they really crystallize the cost of self-interest. Mm-hmm. And... If you think about it, they were supposed to go for the headshot, right? That was the play. Mm -hmm. But state attorney Bond didn't want to do that because he that's Clay Davis and the mortgage application. Right. Right. That was really what was going to get him the time because he lied on that. And, you know, and, and all the things he did with that, that was how they had him. That was a smoking gun. But they passed on that, even though Lester was like, here it is. Mm -hmm. They passed on that and decided to go for the other stuff because State Attorney Bond is thinking about being mayor. He's thinking about his political
3: career. Everyone's thinking about more than just their jobs, right?
0: Exactly. And so in that moment, you know, because I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the difference was the, the mortgage application is a federal crime. Right. So that means the feds would have prosecuted him, or mm-hmm. and that w- that's totally different, because then you're with a federal jury, which, trust me, ain't going to look like the city of Baltimore. Right? Not at all, right. Not at all. So it's a totally different jury, but somebody else would have gotten the credit for that, even though the state attorney he obviously grieves the path for it to happen. He mm-hmm. didn't want somebody else to get credit. He decided, I'm good enough to take on Clay Davis over all this stuff that he's done and laundering money and what he's done with the city of Baltimore, he overplayed his hand. Absolutely, all of that came from a point of ego and selfishness and he paid for it. And he got, he sat up there and he got completely humiliated by somebody who was guilty. Right. It's like a phrase a friend of mine uses all the time. He tried to frame a guilty man and it bit him in the ass. So if anything, you know, the, the system or what they try to expose here is that, you know, there are mistakes, and we see this with many other characters in The Wire. It's like, as soon, when you go for the selfish play, you may, in the short term, get what you want. You may, in the short term, have some kind of progress that made that is made. But long term, you're going to continue to pay for these mistakes, and what more up? importantly, you're going to drag a lot of people down with you. I mean, Carcetti mm-hmm. is a perfect example. Had he just accepted the money, then... Perhaps the school system would have been fine and he would have been able to keep the police going as normal, you know, on under, under, under their normal budgetary, you know, sort of restraints. He mm-hmm. wouldn't have had to bleed them dry because to try to make up for the school system. But his ego wouldn't let him take the money right. and everybody else had to pay for it. So because he doesn't take the money, McNulty out here inventing fake serial killers just to get some money out of the city. So
3: one one or two decisions and everybody's fucked.
0: Yeah. It just it just becomes much. it
3: becomes a situation it, it becomes a, you're absolutely right. Like oh and, and that's that's why this show is so amazing, right? Like a lot of things led to Clay Davis being in that situation, but it was Clay Davis's own skill and guile that got, <laughs> that him, got out him
0: out of it. it. Mm-hmm. But even that is going to have its consequences because you know the other thing that is always obvious in the in the wire is you may survive for the moment, but it's only a matter of time before not necessarily karma catches up with you, but your selfishness is ultimately going to be something that does you in. Sure. And while Clay may survive this point of it, you know, who's to say what, what will happen to him, you know, down the road? Because, you know, the reality is like he has been, he has done a lot of awful things he can't cover for at all. So it was, yeah, I mean, I thought that that was such a, fantastic depiction of of how the system works and the system works for people like clay davis because clay davis is totally fine with using his worst instincts to advance he's okay yeah. with that
1: yeah, and as long sure. as you
0: are and you can stomach that you can make it as far as you want in politics right continuing yeah. to do that by just faking people out into believing you're a good guy uh cuz you know the thing about politicians is like most of them they're very good most people vote emotionally, regardless uh-huh. of what they say. Sure. Like, Because I can't tell you the number of political conversations I may have with people, um, particularly as we were in the primaries and, and leading into the presidential election. Oh, I don't like such and such. Why? I mean, I just don't like them. I don't trust them. You don't even know them. I mean, right. I'm not saying that they aren't, but it's like so much of what we think of a politician is based off how they personally come off to us. Yeah. Clay Davis is somebody they can relate to and identify with. And so they're willing to excuse, rationalize, or just flat out ignore the fact that he's a crook because right. they like him. And, and that and, is and a he's human one of them. And he's one of them. And that's mm-hmm. a human, you know, kind of condition or whatever. And so, cause I remember growing up in Detroit, it reminded me of something, my stepfather, this was his, you know, whatever it was a black politician that got caught doing something in Detroit. His go-to and default would be I mean, they always want to come down to the brother to uh they always wanna come down on the brother, but the white man been stealing for years and ain't nobody saying nothing. And I'm like, but they're yep. still stealing. Like that's the part that you that the money's still being taken and they're still gaming the system and taxpayers are paying for it. So you can't sit up here and just say, Yeah, I wish the black dude could get away with the same trifling shit the white dude can That Like that's not a position, right?
3: Right, right. And right. It's not a Clay position Davis. because it doesn't have anything to do with the people who are actually being hurt, right? Right. Like, it's like, oh, well, if you go before you get them out, get all of them out. And we've heard that same argument with so many other things, uh, you know. And, and so I don't even want to get into all of that. But somebody's got to care about the people who are actually being victimized. And that's just not the game in politics. But it was still worth it watching him do that because we haven't oh, had yeah. a real one of those in a long time, man. Yeah. It, like those guys, those guys are almost gone. So it was still worth it watching him do that.
0: Well, the uh, and I have to say, because once state attorney Bond made the selfish decision to not actually go after the charge that would have got Clay Davis the years and would have actually done some justice. And he made a selfish play. I was just like, shit, he got whatever he got coming to him, he got because he's (laughs) the one that made that decision. So it's on him. Um, All right. So those uh, so Clay Davis's performance was both of our choice for the best performance in this episode. We'll be right back with more Way Down in the Hole.
1: This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube.
0: Now let's move on to some of the best scenes and moments that were other than Clay Davis in this episode. What'd you have, man?
3: So, Bubs with uh, Michael Fletcher, the reporter, that's mm-hmm. also a father's away for later moment. I love the scene where the police and the newspaper is, is essentially giving the same marching orders to, to their staff. Yeah,
0: the strategy is very similar.
3: When Bunk stands up to Lansman, "It's I'm gonna work my murders, that gets to the heart of who Bunk is. Bunk is a very jovial character. And throughout the season, throughout the series, you see different times, how much Bunk actually cares about what it is that he's doing. Remember Bunk is a guy that grew up in some of these areas and stuff like that. But that's really a good indication of the fact that Bunk takes his role as a police officer more serious than anything else. It's not a career for him. It's a way of life. He is a police through and through.
0: Yeah. Yeah. that that And, and realize like Lansman has done, a lot of, you know, stupid things, shown bad leadership. But you have never seen Bunk cuss him out the way he cussed him out over there. So that never. was that should have that in itself to me was telling of, of what you just said, of like how much he values doing real police work.
3: Right. Uh, Jimmy being the boss, including the scene with him and Lester, where Lester seems like Jimmy and Jimmy seems like Daniels. You know what I mean? Uh, Jimmy being the boss. That's another reason why I like season five, man. Season five twisted things up a little bit and gave some, some characters a taste of their own medicine, which is kind of my takeaway from this episode. You know, a lot of these people, they got what they asked for. You know, Bond and Ronnie, they asked for Clay Davis and they got Clay Davis. That's true. You know, Jimmy asked for more police resources. He got them and he's the man now, right? Scott Templeton is running around scared because he doesn't know who's calling him. Now, this is what you wanted. So it's an episode where people really kind of got what they asked for, Kima. Kima wanted to be Mommy Kima, and she's struggling to build that thing, although there's a very sweet scene at the end. That's another one of my favorite scenes where she says yeah. goodnight to everyone. when she's
0: bonding with her son, yeah. That's one of the most
3: endearing, I can't think of a more endearing scene in the history of the series.
0: Goodnight, moon. You Goodnight, moon. Here we go.
1: Good
0: night stars. Good night, stars. Good night, popos. Good night, popos. Good night, fiends. Good night, fiends. Good night, hoppers. Good
2: night, hoppers.
0: Good night, hustlers.
2: Good night, hustlers. Good night scammers. Good night, scammers.
0: Good night to everybody. Good night to everybody. Good night to one and all.
3: Now that to your point, that's a pretty regular television moment. Yeah, like but it's but window. it's
0: different though because it didn't come off corny or cliche though.
3: It worked. I would really say I touching. wouldn't have put
0: that in that category, especially yeah. because she changed the the, the nursery rhyme, but to suit the city of Baltimore where they live. You right. know what I'm saying? So right. like, no, that was actually a very sweet scene. I think
3: Omar dropping Savino mm-hmm. um, oh, that just showed that Omar is. At the end of his look, at the end of his wits, he's at his wits end. He's frustrated. He's limping. Life is weird for Omar. You know what, yo? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna throw you back in, like, cause you'll be doing this again five years from somewhere else. Somebody, I'm not throwing you back in. Pop.
0: Well, it broke Omar's code and and on on a couple levels. I mean, it's a further reminder. Remember, he promised Monk that he wasn't gonna be killing people anymore. So right. he's already broken that. And then the other thing is, you don't usually see Omar kill people that way. You know, Savino didn't have anything to do with it. I mean, by that by that measure, he could have said the same thing with Slim Charles. But he let Slim Charles go. But right? Slim, doesn't, and, work Marla. No, Slim doesn't, doesn't
3: work for Marlo.
0: No, Slim doesn't work for Marlo. He worked for Prop Joe. But, mm-hmm. you know, the whole point is that if he wanted to always make the justification that, like, okay— you know, you you probably down to do some some similar grimy shit anyway. It's kind of mm-hmm. like, I mean, he's had his opportunities with other people to do that. Sure, But yeah. the, Omar always usually kills people with a sense of justice. And if you're not involved, you're not involved. But he was just like, you know what? You're not only a former Barksdale, you're working for Omar or Marlo. And so, as he said, if you'd have been there, you'd have done the same shit. So you got to go. So I think that speaks to the desperation mm. that he is feeling right now. Because as much as he is, Continuing to call out Marlo, nothing is happening. Marlo's not appearing. Good point.
3: Uh, and when Omar rolls up on Michael on his corner, just a good scene. Omar with the kids, uh, and in that, a file this away for later.
0: Oh, I know where you're going. Yeah, I had that right. down too, so we can we can discuss that because I know we probably noted the same one. That because right. it's, it's like. I don't know if it seems more obvious because we know what's coming, but Mm -hmm. in that one, it was like, whoa, that's like really, (laughs) really Well, there's no
3: way you would have caught this Father's Way for Later if you didn't know.
0: Like, you'd have to go back. That's
3: that's not something you can catch on the first watch because you have no idea what's going to happen.
0: All right, for me, in terms of best scenes and moments, uh, I thought Ashley Larry's performance on The Witness Stand was pretty good as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when he's like, y'all play it like you feel and leave me alone. (laughs) Uh, Daquan looking for a job, the classifieds. I used to do that.
3: Oh, I love that. Yeah, when he was on there, yeah, that was a good scene.
0: Man, ain't nothing there. Even if there was, you ain't 16. Hey, y'all got to pick up bug after
2: three. Hey, 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 hang on, hang on. on. Exotic dancer downtown, financial district, lunchtime hours must be flexible in body and mind. (laughs) (laughs) Now we talking.
0: Hey, hey, make it rain on him. Make it rain. Yeah, and then he starts doing his version of the exotic dance, of being mm-hmm. an exotic dancer, which is basically him pop locking. So not can't say too many ladies are gonna stuff some dollars down your pants. That's if what you the start. niggas be doing. <laughs> they don't uh, pop lock. Yes, they do. They
3: they 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 do all of that shit, but oh, sidebar. I was
0: Ropey. like, man, I got so many sidebars about male entertainment.
3: Well, let me tell you a sidebar about male entertainment real quick.
0: Ooh, I, I'm in Listen, for this.
3: This is, a, this is a family one. Okay. So there was this troop of male entertainers that moved around like South Louisiana. It's from like Baton Rouge to New Orleans or whatever, whatever. One of my homeboys that I was telling you about before that with the screen mask, he was in the group. All right. Uh, they were, I can't remember. I, I, oh, Tremaine is his name. People talked about them, or whatever. Because what 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 people don't know is that what you know is that <laughs> what women think men do at the strip club is what they actually do at these male exotic dance. That's a
0: hundred percent accurate. Women are <laughs> way worse at it's a strip club. It's not football. even
3: close. It's
0: not even close.
3: You're like totally what, right. Like for 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 men. We are police I mean, there are places that you can go and, you know, do whatever. Yeah,
0: like everybody, you yeah. know, there's rules that you can bid, but everybody kind of knows that. So actually, right?
3: actually, have you ever seen that video that there's one place in Detroit and there's a girl who, like, she's a porn star slash stripper type girl and she worked there, and there's this video. It's a real video of her on the couch in this club totally fucking some dude. Totally fucking with him and uh, fucking him. And then when the guy rolls up with the camera and goes, what y'all doing here? She starts <laughs> acting like she's dancing. It's so it's so fucking funny. It's so funny. Anyway, well, there you go. Shout out to all the sex workers out there. <laughs> so uh, a friend of mine, actually a family member of mine, older, older cousin, is married. Comes by the crib with, with him and his wife. Him and his wife come by the crib. Me and Tremaine in there. You know, we playing Marvel versus Capcom two and shit like that. They walk in and she sees him and he sees her and he goes, "Hey, what's up?" And she doesn't. How say- How did I know
0: this was going and, here? And oh she my. doesn't.
3: She doesn't say anything. And then my cousin looks at him, and looks at her and goes, "Yo, you're not gonna speak to him?" The man obviously know you. Uh, and he goes, "Nah, ain't nothing like that, homie. Nah, nothing like that. It's just her girl had had bachelorette and I danced. I be dancing and shit like that." And, he, and then my cousin, my cousin was like, "Wait, what? What? Like, what? what when, when was this?" And she was, he was like, yeah, "She goes, you know that there was a bachelorette party. I told you that was, but it was niggas <laughs> there." And he was like, "Oh, yeah, but it wasn't nothing crazy. You know what I'm saying? It was just like me and I was, I was dancing or whatever." Because now know, I'm we, like, why
0: did your boy even say something at all? Because he
3: ignorant. <laughs> Um, way to
0: snitch, man!
3: Because he ain't snitch on himself. Well, he, he's a great guy, by the way. It's just how he was. He's just a wild. He's just a wild nigga. It was like a cool ass wild nigga. And he was, nah, nah. Because uh, yeah, nah. I, I dance. I ain't, did, I, I ain't doing. I ain't do nothing. Like she didn't do nothing. Others. There were some others there that so they did something on the click. Okay. And then and then and, and, and but he's just talking to me, and he's in the kitchen. So he's like some others. They they was doing some stuff, but you know that's how it goes with them things. And he was like, no, tell me how it goes. And he was like, shit, man, we be, we would crazy. Because, you know, as soon as you pull it out, he goes, pull what out? <laughs> and I'm like, hey, hey, man. Man, y'all chill out, bro. Like, I really don't want them to chill out. But I'm like, hey, man, y'all chill out, bro. Y'all chill out, seriously. Because, like, this is kind of whatever. We talking about male strippers, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, what are we doing? Like, we playing the video game, man, chill. And he was like, "What you mean?" And 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 I can I can tell it's always with a Latham man when you're really mad. It's always in the eyes, cause like it's just even my dad like the chest and the eyes. The eyes get super like steely. And he's like, "What, what you mean like like niggas had their dicks out?" He was like, well, "It's it's a strip party, yeah." You know, she didn't do nothing. I didn't see her do nothing. I didn't see her the whole night. You know, it was five other <laughs> dudes there. Oh but God. I didn't see her do nothing. But yeah, man, you go in there. It's all kinds of shit. They'll grab it. They'll jack you off shit. Like a lot of times we got to stop them and from, from from really going in, getting in. You can do whatever you want. I never got more. I, and, and I had to say, Tremaine, you realize that they're in a relationship and you're talking about how wild these parties are. It's like, fuck it. I'm just telling them she ain't do nothing. So what ended up happening was this dude, my cousin, became so obsessed with this he became so obsessed with these parties that what he started to do because he wanted to find out if his wife was like stepping out of him and going to these different things right so what he started to do was to call different male entertainers and stuff like this like i'm serious like he was like he was like van i'm gonna find out about this shit I'm gonna find out. I don't know. I didn't know that our uh, women be going in and disrespecting themselves like this. He was a very, very Christian guy, too, by the way. Disrespecting
0: that. themselves. That's what
3: he said, disrespecting themselves. So he's gonna find out about this shit. It's like, so he started calling these places up, and he started like seriously, like in a real way, trying to like run a mini little sting. Like he was he was obsessed with this, with with literally for like two years, he was obsessed with like male strippers and how women act when they're in these situations. So there's this site, right? And it's called dancingbear.com, okay? That's the site. Oh God, and, I, I, I hear the click clack of people's keyboards right now. And it was a Bang bro site. And it, the site was like essentially simulating how wild women are at these parties. So mm-hmm. what me and my homie started doing is we started like emailing him clips from dancingbear.com, but then okay, tell him Okay, I'm
0: on this site right now. Van, this is wild. <laughs> Why would you do this to this man? <laughs> you about to break up a happy home. Oh my God. They, I, I they, can tell they, you, none of this way, happened at my bachelorette party. they we had married. some in, they, entertainment. They've be,
3: they been married. They 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 got married. It's all time. But like I, we started sending him clips from dancingbear.com. And oh, dog, this him, is so bad. It's <laughs> so te- bad. And telling him, listen to Jamel bookmarking the shit, and telling him that this is how it was going down. Because he got so, he loved this woman. He got so obsessed with what women do at these parties. And by the way, they really do wild out. Eventually, I told him, I was like, listen, bro, you got to get over this male stripper phase in your life. Like, your wife went to one party. She might have gone to two, she might have gone to three. Tremaine was there. He said she didn't even do nothing. Like, did she probably get slapped in the cheek with a dick? Probably so. But like, I mean, it probably happened. But have you ever, I asked him, I was like, have you ever had like a woman's vagina on you at a strip club? And he was like, yeah. I'm like, turn about his fair play, bro. Just let it go. And eventually he (laughs) was able to let it go. But there was a whole era spurned by casual meeting. I could do a whole separate sidebar piece about the anguish that Tremaine caused in people's life <laughs> because there was another one that involved an early sex tape where where anyway I I I, I, I but it, but it was funny but look at you you're still on dancingbear.com
0: man I stay on my business <laughs> <laughs> I just I just want people to know that like after you go through after you go through the first page, if you want to view the other pages, there is a pricing menu. You can pay one buck and get a full day's access to dancingbear.com. You can pay for three-month access, one month full access, or 12-month full access. This is, I mean, what just what you see on the first page alone is enough for every man to be like, no one I'm with is ever going to a bachelorette party. Ever. Well,
3: but re- remember now, everything on DancingBear.com is simulated. All of those women, like that's DancingBear.com. That's a BangBros.com site. DancingBear.com is like the porn minor leagues. Like you see those girls in there doing stuff on Dancing Bear. And then later on- Oh, they graduate. You see them, you see them in their own oh, scenes got, and stuff gotcha. like that. So when you're first dancing in the club in Miami, you go to the Bang Bro, Bros office or something like that, or whatever- because, uh, you know, they got like virtual strip sites all over it, like real ones, like zbonics.com and all of those places like that. That's mostly white chicks. But they got virtual strip clubs on the Internet. But Dancing Bear isn't one of them. It's all simulated. It's like, re- quote unquote, reality stuff.
0: That was a lot. That that uh, little eyeful that I just got was quite Dancing Bear. <laughs> dancingbear.com. <Bear. laughs>
3: Dancing but anyway, we would send him the clips. He would believe us. And he would freak out. Because he was kind of a square.
0: Yeah, I, w- I wasn't I wasn't ready for Dancing Bear. So but um, it, that is, uh, once again, another excellent Van Lathan sidebar. OK, um, other scenes um, that I noted from this episode is when the court reporter files a story with on, on Clay with Gus. And he was like, I feel very white <laughs> because he's like, I don't know what just happened here, but. Uh, and to that end, when uh, Ronnie and State Attorney Bond are outside the courtroom as Clay celebrates his victory and Bond goes, what the fuck just happened? And Ronnie said, whatever it is, they don't teach it in law school. And they don't. They don't. No, that is that's nothing you can do uh, when you run across a Clay Davis, just have to accept what it is. All right. Now uh, let's talk about what aged the best in this episode. Uh, what did you have on your list, Fan?
3: Two things. Number one, the song On and On by Erica Badu. Yeah, Jesus Christ. That album. Like, it's such... Such mood music, man. Such mood music. If you want to just zen out and really, you know, I have to put together my new dog. I got a dog that's coming today.
0: What?
3: Mm-hmm. What kind of dog? A burner doodle, a young burner doodle named Bozeman.
0: You've already named it.
3: So yeah, I've named him. Uh. I've named him after our brother. You know. Uh rest in peace to our brother. Oh, so nice. like his his name is Bozeman. He'll be here any minute now. And I have to put together his crate. So I'll probably play some mood music while I'm doing it. on and on is a great oh, okay. choice for that. Well, you know, there's
0: uh, um, there's always a uh, a running debate about was uh, Mama's Gun or Baduism the better album? To me, it's Mama's Gun. Yeah, I think so. But, um, but yes, a good note. Yep, that's definitely a good one. Uh,
3: and then second, in that same scene... Frustration with putting together IKEA shit. Yes, I swore it off in 2015. I'm like, I I like whatever it is. Like, I make a little bit of extra money so that I can actually pay somebody to put this together. I haven't put that bookshelf, didn't put it together. This desk, didn't put it together. No, I'm not putting it. I'm not. I'm not. I mean, now in COVID, you, 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 I put together a fucking castle. You know what I mean? Just because like it'll do something to 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 take your mind off everything. But but no. Putting stuff together, not with—is that specifically with it an IKEA
0: thing that their products are especially more difficult, or would you just say that across the board that putting shit together is like the hell? With it? I feel like their products
3: are actually easier. Mm-hmm. I just don't enjoy putting stuff together. I'm with you. You know, I had to put together the hammock. We had to put together those chairs. Galika put together the chairs in there, but like I just don't enjoy putting stuff together like that. So when I saw her going through that, I was. I completely, that aged really well. Yes.
0: No, no, putting the stuff together sucks. It's so funny because, um, especially, you know, living my life uh, primarily as a a single woman, I am so, I am, look, I I am not ashamed. I am the call for help bitch. That's me. Like, I'm always calling for help. I'll be like, oh, what serviceman do we need to find? Like, who do we need to call to do this? Like, oh, is this one? Okay, you know, whatever. That's me. But my husband is the, is the opposite. Like, he is a, he's like, look, we could just, we could save $25 if we do this. I'm like, why are we working so hard? Why are we putting things together? Right? And so. He- See, I don't, I don't like
3: people like that. I'll tell you why. Not that I don't like your husband. Uh, but if you want to put it together, fine. Go for it. I'm not in it. <laughs> But, um, that happens over here too If you decide you don't want to pay You want to put it together That's cool I told you right now I have no problem paying for it Like whatever That money will go to Postmates otherwise So like it, It's like it, 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 It's like I have no problem paying for it But if you want to put it together You can put it together Your decision You know what I mean? Yeah
0: but in, in fairness He's really good at putting things together But one uh, We moved into our new house You know this year But there was one thing that required my help and um, it was a very frustrating experience. He laughed at my expense because he saw that I was so frustrated. I hated the directions. The shit didn't make sense. They don't, like, explain what you're supposed to do. They just give you a bunch of, you know, um, a bunch of images. And then they have these stupid-ass letters. I was like, why can't y'all just write out? Like, put mm-hmm. screw A with screw B. Like, is that so hard? No. Then you got to sit up there... And decipher that shit like hieroglyphics, and it's fucked up. And it just puts everybody in a bad mood. So we had a we had to put together a temporary bed before our actual bed came. And I was down to hire somebody. He's like, no, we can do it. And you see the people who can do that, they always make it sound so easy. And again, he's right. exceptionally talented at put, putting things together. But that just ain't my testimony, and it won't be. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm with you. There's not enough alcohol in the house to make me actually want to put anything together. I don't give a damn if it's just a, a basic T V stand, I don't care what it is. Like there's just not enough. Like I it's too frustrating and I don't like it. That's just my brain is not wired to do it. I feel like as a gender, we get handicapped in this way, even though I'm sure there's probably women who can put shit together. I am not one of them. Uh when Gus is helping Fletch on his story and he says sometimes the weakest shit is the story uh weakest shit in the stories the stuff in quotation marks. In the newspaper business we call that show, not tell. So that ages well. Oh. Always helps you. Um, and I would also add just overall, the media's love affair with like embellishing shit. <laughs> I mean, mm. you know, um, you know, Gus has tried to get them to, to kind of, uh, come on board and, and help them understand like the, the first person that he writes is like, it's just, he put too much sauce on it. Right. But that's like right. such a media thing to do that. And it's also kind of a younger, a younger reporter thing, I would say where, a lot of times you use in flowery language and adjectives that far inflate the situation than need be because you think that's what being a writer is. You know, being a writer or a journalist is just reporting what's there because often the facts just really do speak for themselves. So those are some of the things that age the best. Anything for you age the worst.
3: Somebody may mention mentioned to the Maytair, Maytag repairman.
0: <laughs> oh, it yeah. Is that, shit, that shit is not a thing anymore, right?
3: It's not a thing yeah. anymore. There was a running ad campaign kitties where the Maytag repairman would never have anything to do because Maytags don't break down so it would show this guy he's a Maytag repairman and he would never go anywhere he would never do anything and so one of the cops says that being on the the wiretap for the homeless guys was kind of like being like the Maytag repairman and that's because he's sitting around a long time with nothing to do those Maytag commercials aren't around anymore but they used to be uh, when commercials were a little bit more straightforward. So, yeah, that's one. Yeah, that, that's uh, a,
0: that's a, that was a good catch.
3: Gus says, I'm not interested in anything. I'm interested in what feels true. I think you just mentioned that.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: That aged terribly. Mm. Like that, I mean, at least in the journalism that we, I'm sure in newspaper rooms everywhere, it still exists. But in the journalism that we're consuming on a day-to-day basis, The interest in what feels true seems to be lacking because you'll have somebody telling obvious lies, getting the biggest platform possible in the interest of, I guess, ratings and commerce. And that's not me waxing poetic about things. It's just the way that it is. So uh, if there was ever a time when that were true, which I'm not sure if 2007 was that time, but if there was ever a time when that was true, it certainly doesn't seem to be true now.
0: That is 100% 100% accurate. Yeah. yeah, I mean, as it it was, if you think about the hand-wringing that went on about, you know, when uh, certain political figures told a lie and it was just like, oh, is it a, calling it a mistruth or misspeaking or all that kind of stuff. So there, there is definitely a way that, that people telling obvious lies now that that's been like glossed over and sanitized. And so, yes, good observations on your part. I didn't have anything. So, Let's move on to We Love This Show, But because I got two things. (laughs) Two things. Okay. Was it realistic that State Attorney Bond did not see it coming with Billy Murphy attacking Ashley Larry's credibility? They seem to be stunned by this. And I don't know why. Like, you gave the dude immunity. He's He's a convicted felon. That is putting a... That's putting a layup. I mean, that's a layup for a defense attorney. Like, why did they seem so surprised that this was a strategy? Mm. I feel like, look, I've never been a lawyer. I don't even remember the last time I stayed at a Holiday Inn. But what I am saying is, like, that seems so obvious that, like, yes, when you have testimony by somebody with a checkered pass, they're probably going to use it against you and say, oh, they're only saying it for the immunity. They were like, what, what? He's coming after his credibility? Shocking.
3: Yeah, that's standard. Yeah. That's pretty standard. Yeah.
0: That's pretty standard. Mm-hmm. The other thing. Okay, so Omar has been going at it with, you know, telling everybody who would listen, yo, tell Marlo he a bitch, tell him he this, he that, his mama breath steak, literally saying everything about this man. Mm-hmm. None of this gets back to Marlowe? Like, there's not only, a single sentence.
3: I, but there's only a couple people, I thought about this too. But there's only a couple people who actually talk to
1: Marlo.
0: Okay, it's like, all right. So who have we seen talk to Marlo? All right, we have seen, obviously Chris and Snoop. Monk Mm -hmm. was Mm -hmm. another one, right? I mean, and then you know, occasionally he'll have like lesser known lieutenants or 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 youngins coming through. Like nobody told him. Mm. I mean, look, how is he that connected to the streets, right? how is he this connected to the streets? This in these streets, the way that he is. And not a single whisper. Meanwhile, the, the dude whose whole family he murdered, he said one thing, he did. Right. Like, I, and how did he hear about that? Did Chris and Snoop, were they just... So I, this whole storyline, and it look, we have more to come in the next episode, but just think about that. It's like the dude that may or may not have said that, you know, something disparaging about his character. That got back to him right away, and he murdered his whole family. Uh, a guy robbing... And at the very least, why isn't Marlo more concerned that all his stash houses are being robbed? This motherfucker is meticulous. He yeah. is always about his business. Did That's he not know point. that shit either? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Major plot hole. Like, what? How right. would he not know this? Well, at I guess point- he
3: knows that Omar's coming after him, though. Because remember... He, yeah, he, he
0: assumed as much.
3: Yeah, he assumed yes. as much, like, he's going to be at us now. But no, I get it. That's not, that, I mean, Those are fair points.
0: And he was so pissed about being robbed by Omar at a poker game, right? He's that pissed about it. And this whole time that Omar is just having his way at these trap houses, like, nothing? Mm. Not a not a peep. Yeah. Like, didn't make sense. Sorry, that's a major plot hole. All right, now let's talk about file this away for later. What did you have, ma'am?
3: Okay. So when Jimmy tells Lester that they're going to the uh, the FBI profiler, yeah, and Lester says you might learn something about yourself.
0: Yeah, that's a father's away. Farthest <laughs> away
3: for a later moment. When the, when Bubs talks to the reporter, farthest away for a later moment. Big one. But the biggest one in the episode is when the ro- Omar rolls up on Michael's corner. Canard sees Omar and makes Omar for the first time, and then he says he gimpy as a bitch.
0: Yep. He, he looks, that scene, I agree. That's the biggest, that's the one I had um, for this uh, episode too. That's the biggest file that's away for later because Kennard looks disappointed that mm-hmm. this is all there. Like, he looks disappointed that this isn't the Omar that he remembers because if people need to go back to, I think it was season three, mm-hmm. that's when Kennard first saw Omar. Oh, excuse 15. me, I'm
3: wrong. Yeah, that that's when Canard first saw yeah, Omar. That's when or, he first just, saw Omar. or maybe just saw him in the street, Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, remember he, him and his friends were imitating we're playing him. Playing
3: like they were Omar. Playing
0: like they were. And he was like, I'm Omar, I'm Omar. Mm-hmm. Because they they idolized him after Omar's, um, one of his stick-up buddies, when she got shot in the head, Tasha. Yeah. Right, by, you know, friendly fire, essentially. So that was when Canard, so, and they've been laying the foundations for things since season three, right? right. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, so Canard, it's like he finally sees his childhood hero and he's not the same. And he's mm-hmm. like, huh. By the way, I forgot about it. That's another We Love This Show, but... So you mean to tell me this dude is walking around with a broken leg in yeah. broad daylight? Yeah. And it's going... Like, I don't understand... That this, like, I understand old school Omar, like, you know, that we're used to seeing people being afraid of him. But Mike is afraid of a dude that got a busted up leg?
3: Well, Mike, well... By the time I mean, he got the
0: drop on Mike, he got, a little he bit, got the
3: drop on them. But so that's one thing. But the Omar gipping around and still doing that, I guess that just adds to his legend. But you really would think that Omar would go somewhere and heal up for a little while before he came back on them. But he didn't.
0: You would think that, and you would think that they wouldn't be that they would be able to find him a little more easy because he's got a limp and he's right. walking around his same neighborhood. So anyway. That uh, that was our file. This away for later. Uh, in terms of trivia, when Gus is in the bar, when he comes to the cop bar, the same cop bar that they always be, uh, they always hanging out. It, if you see the cameo, it, it would be by the character Detective John Munch, who is one of the great crossover characters in uh, in I guess you could say police television history because he's he has played the same guy on Homicide, Law and Order, and a lot of people that were from that Homicide family are in The Wire. Uh, Law and Order X-Files he's played the same dude oh, uh, oh he John always Munch. plays the same guy on all those shows he, he's played the same dude yeah so he's really he's, so he's, Richard Belzer is ju- the same character on all of those shows Richard Belzer is the same dude then Law and Order he's John I did he's not Detective much. yeah Homicide Baltimore Detective Munch. (laughs) I did not know that. Yes. So he's always like crossing over as a detective of some kind. And as I continue to say, I haven't watched Law and Order SVU in a while. Actually, it used to be one of my favorite shows. But him and Ice-T solve all the crimes. Like that's just, they they solve all the crimes. (laughs) Benson and Stabler used to get all the credit. Munch and Ice-T solve all the crimes. All right. Now that brings us to the moment of truth. I think I already know your answer to this, but I shall ask it anyway. Who won the episode?
3: Duh, Clay Davis.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it says pretty obvious it was him. Mm-hmm. Avoids uh significant jail time, further entrenches himself with the black community. Is a legend beyond the status he was previously. You know, Clay Davis is is now he's a he's a made man. He's yeah. a made man. No one will ever be Clay Davis until he decides that he simply does not want to be senator anymore, but they will elect him many, many times. So he ain't mm-hmm. going nowhere. So shout out to Isaiah Whitlock Jr. for delivering such a fine performance. All right. That is going to do it for us uh, as we wrap up episode seven of season five called Took. Next episode, Van, it goes down. You know what's coming. Yeah. Wow. That's going to be a good one. So y'all make sure y'all come back and hang out with us. Until then, keep listening to us and keep watching The Wire. We'll see y'all next time.